1: The yeah. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com.
0: And welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. Ben Gessling, Matthew Collar, and Judd Zolgad with you on the heels of a 21-10 Vikings defeat. That's right, a Vikings defeat in what was a very ugly football game at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, Collar and I were back here watching it, so Gessling, let's start with you. Your thoughts on the first Vikings loss of the season.
1: Uh, I guess they got to play on Tuesdays when they come here.
0: That is, I was there for that, and I'll tell you what, that puggage Frazier defense that day looked pretty damn good, Gessling.
1: Well, I, the defense I didn't think was the problem so much today. I mean, the, the good thing, I guess, if you want to look for a, a silver lining here um, and what do we do on this podcast, but look for uh, the, the positive side of things. It, I, I mean, I guess you could say it, it's good in the sense that they know exactly what they need to fix. This is not a surprising outcome. I mean, I guess this is – this is sort of the thing that everybody probably figured was going to happen at some point if its offensive line did not get better, and and they got burned by that as as much as they possibly could today. Sam Bradford fumbled four times, and you know obviously faces a team that that knows how to get to him. That the Eagles set up. At Rodney McLeod said after the game, we know he struggles with with trap coverage, and and uh, they basically would would blitz a corner and then and then roll the rest of the coverage over there and, and uh, certainly got beat a couple times on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was probably one of those games that went about as badly for the Vikings as it possibly could have. But I guess the good thing is that uh, these aren't surprise issues. These are the things that they knew they were going to need to fix. And, and uh, now the question is, can they fix them?
2: Well, what is the fix? Because it's pretty clear that I know what isn't, and that is Jake Long. Because he got his first action today, Ben, and it was – um, is, is hideous too strong. It really went very poorly for Jake Long, and then he was back out of the game pretty quickly. And when T.J. Clemmings was in, it wasn't much better. Long only got a shot because Clemmings got smoked on the first couple of drives. So now what? I mean, there isn't really another free agent left tackle trotting around the street that you could just bring in. They tried that with Long, and it really didn't look very good. So now what?
1: Well, that's the big question. I mean, their $591,000 cap space is not going to get them very far either. So, I mean, it is going to come down to getting these guys to play better. And the question is, are they capable of that, or is this just what these guys are? In the case of TJ Clemmings, that may be what he is at this point, and I'm not sure that you should be expecting any miracles from jake long after he's been out of the league for a while either but uh I, mean, I suppose you could try alex boone at left tackle or right tackle and move jeremiah searles over to left tackle i mean those are kind of the options you're talking about i guess i mean there aren't really a lot of good ones it made it it's like i say you you know what the issue is and and that part is a good thing in the sense that you can drill down into it pretty quickly but short of getting new personnel. It's going to be on coaching to to get these guys to just improve and play better. And uh, you know They may have to do more of what they did last year where they have more help staying in. I mean, they, they had to do a lot of that last year with TJ Clemmings. They had to keep a tight end and end in quite a bit. And uh, I, I thought there was one play where Kyle Rudolph missed a chip on, on one of the sacks today. But, I mean, maybe they have to do more of that. Red Ellison, I don't know that he's completely healthy. David Morgan, we didn't see much of today either. I mean, those guys being more involved might be what they have to do i mean doing something to to give those guys some help may be the solution but i mean you, you get you have to hope that some of these guys can perform better than than what they've done because i mean really the last two games for G. G. So. Clemens, we've seen him get exposed in a pretty big way
0: boys uh this was what i think you could kindly describe as an awful football game it was brutal it was <laughs> it was painful to have to watch this all of that being said, Ben, uh, the defense pulled its weight. The defense was not – it might not have been at its best or great, but the defense was not bad. In the postgame locker room, are you sensing at all the defensive players are starting to say, you know what, we're pulling our weight consistently here? And and offensively and special teams-wise, these guys were bad. Is it is, is going down that path? I did think it was interesting that Zimmer, in some ways, in my opinion, got out, out front of things by saying flat out, this was embarrassing. So it's not like he's trying to uh, keep the peace and say, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, but I'm just curious, with the defense still playing this well, if we are starting to go down the path of guys saying, we are doing our damnedest. Uh, but if this continues on a week-to-week basis, you're asking a lot from one side of the football.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that, that could become an issue if it continues I mean, i, I think after one week you're probably not going to hear a ton of that given the fact they scored 31 points against houston last time out uh, i mean i am probably not as ready to sow seeds of dissension as you are sports grants but uh i mean if this continues to be an issue that could get to that point i mean it it is pretty obvious that their issues remain on one side of the ball and it was also interesting today that They didn't do as much of the quick passing stuff that that has helped them kind of mask these issues that they've had. They went back to seven-step drops trying to get stuff going downfield, and they didn't have enough time to make that work.
2: Ben, that's exactly what I wanted to go with next because I'm not trying to stir the pot as Judd is with uh, defense and offense well, arguments. Stirs the pot like Judd I'm right, simply so. trying to throw it out there that <laughs> one group is doing really well and the rest might not be pulling their weight. Well, they they certainly did against the Giants and against the Texans, so we'll see on that. But that concerns me what you just said, though, Ben, because last year you look at the way the offense performed and it was good at times, but then Teddy Bridgewater was under duress as much as anybody in the league doing the seven step drops and after they had so much success against Houston Could this be a case of Norv Turner trying to take the power back, or could it be, yes, okay, now I'm stirring the pot there? Or, I mean, what what would be the reasoning? Could it be outthinking themselves a little bit, like, oh, the Eagles will be preparing for our short, quick pass game, so we've got to go back to this, and that will fool them. Why would they make any changes offensively, knowing that the offensive line was so bad, and knowing that it worked to mitigate some of those issues – to throw quick passes to Cordero Patterson or or whomever.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that that was certainly something that seemed to work, be working for them, and it is a little surprising that they wouldn't stick with it. I mean, yeah, I, I think in a perfect world, that's probably not the scheme North Carolina wants to be running. And the other thing, I'll, I'll be curious to go back and watch this. I mean, they they have tried that bubble screen to Cordero Patterson a lot, and there were a few times today where. I don't know how well it showed up on TV, but watching it in the stadium, the Eagles were running a guy at Patterson a number of times to try to take that away. There, there were a few times where Bradford booked to go to it and try to throw quick and, and had to hold the ball and either try to push it downfield or in some cases take a sack because there was nothing there quickly. So people are probably going to start scheming that and and trying to take that stuff away, especially when they know that the offensive line is as bad as it is. And yeah. one of the ways the Vikings try to deal with it is to is to throw quick. But, yeah i mean even even that i some of the the attempts to to go back to the seven step drop stuff i just i don't i mean i know that he wants to do that i know that's the classic Turner system, but the years that he's had really good offenses he's had quarterbacks that get sacked like fifteen sixteen times for the entire year i mean it it works when you have the cowboys offensive line of the nineties this group is not anywhere close to that and is not going to be so you have to figure out how to get around that and the other thing you have to do is be able to run the ball and this is a team that gave up. 230 rushing yards a week ago, and they were not able to do enough there until Matt Asiata had a couple second-effort runs to kind of take things into his own hands late in the game. But if they're not able to establish that, it makes things difficult, too.
0: Pat Shermer wants his offense back. That's all Mm -hmm. I know. Give Pat Shermer back his offense. And by the way, when it comes, I'll tell him right now, I will break news to the 2016 Vikings. When it comes to your run game right now, guess what it is? The short passing game. That's your run game. If, if If you are actually going to try and hand the ball to running backs and think that that is going to work, then you're idiots. And you've already proven the fact that the short passing game is your run game. Give Pat Shermer his offense back and Norv back off. And this is why I don't like bye weeks. The self-scout drives me crazy because what does the self-scout do? Oh, we could do this and that, and we've gotten away from this and that, and that's a principle of what I – I don't give a crap what your principles are. What you were doing was working. Keep doing that. Don't self-scout. And understand this, too. Philadelphia, uh, to your point, Ben, did one thing that's very interesting today, and we're only going to find out how, how much of it they did a week from now against the Bears on Monday night. How much did Philadelphia expose now, too? So, if you're the Vikings, do you can you adjust quickly to that? Because I, I think you're one thousand percent right, guessling, in the sense that what the Eagles did today was they put out a blueprint more and more now. And so, if you're the Vikings, you've got to deduct what they what they've got from you, and now go and run your offense accordingly so those things don't continue to get exposed.
1: Yeah, I would agree, and I, I think some of it is that I mean you you saw you saw them kind of try to take away the quick stuff, but I mean, it's. I mean, how do you how are you going to adjust to that now? And and how much of this, of the quick stuff was, Bradford kind of having simple reads and trying to throw to his first read? I mean, it it watching him, it does seem like he goes to his first read a lot. At least he was doing a lot of that against Houston when things worked. And and there are going to be times where if you take that away, it's like okay, now how much of the offense can he? go through when he's got to get to his second, third, and fourth read. I mean, that that stuff is is going to be a question, and, and I think the more they're able to do the stuff that's worked well, I mean, you, you want to get back to that, but it's also going to be a question of how much more do they have in the bag, because when people start to see what's worked, and, and now, especially like you say, when there's a blueprint out there of, okay, if you do this, it's, it's going to be tough for them to adjust to it, it is going to be stressing an offense that hasn't had that time to gel. I mean, that that's the, the thing where when you are in a new system and you're a guy like Sam Bradford, it's going to be tough to, to adapt because you don't have that base of, of what works and, and what you've had to do to, to counter programs. So it's going to be interesting to see from here where they go. I mean, they've gotten all this credit. for starting 5-0, and and a lot of it is deserved, and they've been able to kind of weather what we thought was going to be the tough part of the schedule, but you got to go to Washington in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a tough game. They've got more tough tests coming obviously with the Cowboys coming in in December. I mean there are enough challenges on the schedule that they weren't going to be able to get through it by just saying, "Okay, we're just going to be able to to not counter program anything because we can just keep doing what we're doing." I mean, they are going to face some tests here and and if they're not able to adapt to that, it is going to you're going to see more days like today.
2: Ben, from the uh, special teams standpoint, the first 5 weeks they were Excellent. I mean, really probably couldn't have been any better. A couple of punt returns for touchdown. Cordero Patterson was a revelation as a gunner. Did make a nice play today, but two. Egregious plays on special teams. The kick return for touchdown. Blair Walsh has to get in the way, right? And I mean, you can't just. Not according to Blair Walsh. He can't he just jump out of the way there. He's got to try and trip up the uh, kick returner. And then the inexcusable punt return there, where it actually seemed like the Vikings had a chance that they would be getting the ball on the other side of the 50. They had just started to move it a little bit. And okay, now you've got this opportunity to get back in after blowing the fourth and one. But instead, no, it goes the other way, and uh, the Eagles wrap things up because of that fumble. Was this just sort of bound to happen? I mean, you're just not going to have great special teams all the time and win that battle. But I thought that was a huge factor in the game in the, in the Eagles feeling like they had a blowout win going on over the Vikings when really both offenses were struggling.
1: Yeah, it was a factor, and you're right. This has been a group that's been pretty good, I mean, both with, with creating explosive plays, with Cordero Patterson and Marcus Sherrills and also limiting field position. They've been a lot better than their opponents in that regard. And they did some things again today, like you say Cordero Patterson with the with the, the play to down the ball or did throw the ball back out of the end zone to make sure it's down on the two yard line was a highlight. But I you know I thought Marcus Sherrills on that kick return for the touchdown probably got out of his lane there. I mean it'll be interesting to go back and watch that. And then the fumble, you, you can't have it. I mean, the reason Marcus Sherels has kept his job as long as he has when everybody's trying to write him off every training camp is that he's extremely sure-handed as a punt returner. They don't worry about that stuff with him and, and that kind of thing today when they, when they lose three fumbles and, and uh, probably could have lost a couple more. I mean, you have to take care of the, the possessions that you do have. And it was still – I mean, as bad as they were offensively, they still had chances to win the game if they were able to convert in the red zone – and not make those mistakes on special teams, they'd be right there. But I suppose in some ways it's a good thing to have something like this happen. And, and there was a little bit of that sentiment in the locker room after the game that maybe when you win you, you gloss over some of those things and say, yeah, we, we need to work on that, but it's okay because we won. I and mean, Harrison Smith said it, that maybe in some ways if there are issues that you need to clean up, losing a game makes you a little more aware of that and makes it a little more urgent to get things fixed quickly.
0: Zimmer is, uh, he's not going to love this because it was so ugly and brutal, but to your point, Ben, he's going to be the first guy to say, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. You guys went in to buy 5-0. and oh, You thought you were so good. Now you're going to sit down and watch this. So I think you're right in that sense. And and I, I think that's why he's constantly or nearly trying to grab at straw men, right? Because, you know, yep. a, so-and-so from the Washington Post thinks you guys are crap and this and that. And we always say, come on, Mike, that's ridiculous. But this is one where on Monday or Tuesday, he can certainly sit them down and say, all right, okay, you guys think you're good? Well, you're not. So if there's if there's one... Good thing from this, this wasn't a close overtime, really good loss where where it's just tough. This was a, for the most part, offensively and special teams-wise, certainly a brutal loss. And so he can go now and grind the film and say, okay, now shut up and watch this.
1: Yeah, and they'll have an extra day to sit there and watch it, too, because they've got eight days until they play again. And and he was not shy about it after the game. I mean, you guys have probably seen some of the quotes that came out. He he did not mince words. Embarrassing. you know it's tough to evaluate Bradford when you protect like a sieve, and it's hard for him to throw when he's when his arm is being grabbed. And it, you know we were soft; we got beaten every in two or three phases. We were embarrassing. I mean, he 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 was in vintage Zimmer after a loss mode, and and you can bet that they have either heard the same thing or will hear a variation of it probably tomorrow again. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there is going to be a lot of time for him to sit there and and pick at the scab, so to speak. And, And they'll probably come out either, you know, they'll have to come out more focused, but I'm sure they'll come out plenty motivated to to flush this one next Monday night in Chicago.
2: Hey there, Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN. If you've ever wondered about all the stats that get thrown around and which ones tell us the truth about sports, I've got a new podcast for you called the Sports Analytics Department, a new guest every week that digs deeper into the numbers on football, hockey, baseball, and more. Go to 1500ESPN.com and subscribe on iTunes. For both you guys, uh, was Sam Bradford...
0: Was he bad today, or or was it impossible to tell because the protection was was so bad? Matthew, start with ben, you,
2: Ben. I'll I'll say that he was bad. I I'll, I'll vote that it wasn't just the protection. It was there were times where. He looked like he struggled after the first read, like you mentioned. There were also opportunities that were left out there. There was a pass to Stephon Diggs. Now, it's hard to say whether that's Bradford or whether it's Diggs not doing the route exactly how Bradford thought, but he's wide open on that ball. There were a few times where he might have been able to step up in the pocket and earn himself a little more time. He looked a little bit timid after he got knocked around in that first half.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I didn't think he was at his best today. And Mike Zimmer said afterwards he, he thought he missed a few throws, and the digs play certainly is one of those. But I mean, when when the line is is struggling as much as it did, it's tough to expect a lot out of him. I mean, the 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 fumbles and the strip sacks and the number of times they were, where they're able to blitz and get clean shots at him. I think, I mean that that really makes it tough to, to function. And it was. It seemed like, at least in the press box watching it, it was probably a tough day to throw today with it being as windy as it was. I think that was probably a factor, and the fact that they were in his face certainly was the bigger factor. I mean, that's something that no quarterback likes to deal with, and and as much of it as he had today, it was hard for him to get into much of a rhythm. I I just, yeah, I mean, I think some of it was on him, but I think you have to put a lot of it on the protection issues and and probably maybe on, on some play calling that didn't, put him in the best position to be able to deal with the rush. Now on the other side, this
2: was supposed to be the Bradford v. Wentz bull, and we had a good feeling that Wentz would be slowed down by the Vikings' defense. I thought Carson Wentz had a very poor game. If the Vikings end up winning this game, then I think we're talking a lot about, hey, was all that Carson H- uh, Wentz hype worth it? And the Vikings, hey, really put him in his place. right? I think that's what we're saying well, if they ended up winning. It was the bowl.
0: Unfortunately, the toilet <laughs> bowl would be more like it.
2: He ends up with 138 yards and two interceptions. And I also thought, Ben, that his throwing in the intermediate routes and down the field... Uh, didn't show to be any any type of threat at all. So I I thought from that standpoint, the Vikings defense did a great job against Wentz.
1: Yeah, they did. And and this is uh, uh your your um, I'm putting you guys on the clock here because I got to get a flight to the airport. This will be my last question. You guys can can talk from there. But yeah, I mean the, the thing with Wentz has been that they uh they've they've hit a lot of quick passes and they've been able to, to do a lot of simple short stuff. And the Vikings I thought took a lot of that away. I mean, he made I think you know. So the big play he had was that kind of throwback on that screen to ryan matthews and uh I mean other than that he didn't really go down the field much and, and look confused a few times and well we thought I think that that would happen I mean he hasn't played a defense quite like this and they I thought played pretty well i mean they they have continually been able to create turnovers they were able to put some pressure on him, probably not as much as normal but uh and they were able to play coverage fairly well and and deal with the run uh, probably not as well as they would have liked. But, uh, I mean, they were able to limit Carson Wentz. Uh, this one, uh, in the end, comes down to the two phases that Mike Zimmer singled out, offense and special teams, and, and that really is where the big issue is. I, you know, the defense is is going to be what it is, and that's something to build on, obviously, but uh, you've got to figure out those other two phases or you're going to have some issues. Thank you, sir.
0: Appreciate it, Ben Gessling. All right, guys. Thanks. Talk to you soon. That was Ben Gessling who covered today's uh, Vikings loss, or Sunday's, I should say, since you might be listening to this heck on Tuesday or Wednesday, the Vikings loss against Philadelphia. All right, caller. I will uh, – I'll say this. Carson Wentz didn't look great, but this defense is still that good. I, I refuse to pass judgment on a quarterback uh, for the most part. Now, Osweiler for Houston I did because he looked disinterested in playing in that game. Uh, so I got down on him after a while. But if a quarterback's going to come into a game against the Vikings and compete, it's pretty tough. Um, and I think that the defense still played – this. It still played a good game. It's just that the overwhelming takeaway from this game is, one, the game was awful, but two, the the offense and special teams were so bad that it drags the entire thing down. I think tomorrow, a lot of people on Monday are going to say, man, that Vikings game was terrible. Well, yes, it was on offense and special teams, but I think if you lump the defense in with those two, it's completely unfair. The
2: defense They weren't terrible. I thought they were were terrific, really. I mean, 4.9 yards per attempt and 138 yards passing, two interceptions for Carson Wentz. What more can you really ask for there? Ryan Matthews had one 20-yard carry. Other than that, I mean, he's got 14 carries for 56 yards, four yards a carry. And they forced a fumble from him. That's not spectacular at all. I mean, four total turnovers. If you get this type of performance... Most of the time you win, even if your offense is struggling. And I I look at a couple of situations where the game really changed here. I mean, they've got third and one in the red zone. They're, They're down, but they've got a chance to score and still have time to get a stop and get the ball back. Yep and they don't get it, yep. they put their trust in the offensive line two plays in a row, one time to go to the fullback, and then the other time to go to their pounding running back and hope that they can get a push up front when they haven't gotten any type of push all day. Yep. So th- th- I thought that was a mistake with those two play calls. I mean, I'm not one to like rip down play calls you know, because if they don't you're work Matthew, out... Go right yeah, ahead. Go right. right
0: ahead and question but it. But in this case, you can question it.
2: third and one, you're inside the five-yard line and you're giving it to the fullback when right. your offensive line has just been demolished all day. I was not a big fan of that. I, and, and you go back to the first drive or second drive, whichever one it was, where they're in the red zone. Bradford gets his arm hit, turns into an interception. I mean, right there. There's two times you're on the goal line and can't put it in. Yes. I mean, if you add that That's with maddening. the kick return for a touchdown, it's like if you're on the defensive side, you're saying, "Man, we did everything we could have done." To put this team in position to win the game, Mm -hmm. and they can't stop a guy on a kick return for touchdown. Mm -hmm. They can't punch the ball in twice. For as bad as the offense was, they're inside the five-yard line two times with a chance to score. Including early on. And got nothing. Where you've been given the ball as a gift. You were given the Mm -hmm. ball there.
0: I still thought, as bad as that game was, I thought to myself at halftime, they're going to come back and win this game. Their defense is good enough, and the offense is going to accidentally score. I really thought that. And, and that's the thing about this team is this defense will, even when it's playing its worst a, as a whole team, so two of your three phases stink, the Vikings will have chances. Oh, yeah. And there was that game at halftime. Classic Vikings, let's say, five, five years ago would have been they're just getting drilled. They're down by 21. But this defense is going to keep you in games no matter how bad the rest of your team plays. But... The interesting thing here is, too, and I'm telling you, these are the two things that are going to bite this team in the ass when it matters most. There's no question in my mind. And by the way, Blair Walsh, here's my advice to you. When you get home today, take some of those crayons that those kids from the grade school gave you last year probably and write a thank you note to to this offense and, in particular, the line because this offensive line has now become talking points A, B, and C. But the two things that are going to bite you in the butt when it matters most are this offensive line and kicker. The offensive line to me is a more interesting discussion because here's what I don't know. I don't know how to parcel out the blame here. If this was Khalil at left tackle and Smith at right tackle and all the all the starters and they stunk, I'd say, you know what, that's the Vikings' fault. But you lost your left tackle and you're piecemealing this and you lost y- your right tackle and you thought that you were coming into training camp, Collar, with all of this depth and slowly but surely that either retired or got hurt. So... It's a really interesting discussion for me because it's not as if the Vikings looked at their offensive line and completely ignored it. The one thing I think if you want to fault them in, though, is this is a a buildup from Spielman from years and years of not addressing uh, the offensive line higher in the draft, probably. But this isn't just a cut and dry to me. Oh, Khalil's terrible and Smith's terrible. It's you've got guys who were
2: supposed to be behind them having to play. Yeah, the thing about Khalil and Smith is that they were both at the bottom of the league yeah, when they true were playing. Too. Yeah, Khalil was playing with an injury, but for a long time he's been disappointing. I would and say Smith though, was awful. You're right about Smith that. Smith was very bad, but TJ Clemmings can't play in the league. I mean, he, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, why, I I like to ro- say that he just can't then Why play. was he
0: rotating to right tackle when he wasn't playing left tackle? I Explain that one to me. I I don't know. I don't
2: to, know why he's
0: in the game. I'm not absolving vikings here what i'm saying is i think this is an interesting discussion i'm not absolving anybody here what i'm saying is to me it's not just a simple black and white discussion they tried to go get depth they thought that that they did and yet what we saw today was completely unacceptable
2: yeah i guess okay i mean that's the thing i mean i know why he's in the game because those other two guys are hurt so that's that's why he's in the game it is amazing to me though that he can't stop anything i mean you go back to the houston game and whitney merciless is running around him like a traffic cone and it's like i'm sorry i know that these are professional players and they're really good and et cetera. Et cetera. but this is the most unacceptable left tackle play that i can ever remember and then jake long comes in and doesn't look any better but i can't blame jake long for this I mean, his career is pretty much shot by those injuries. He was sitting on and, a couch, right. he and he was they're watching just... the Houston game on TV, probably. Right, and they're just taking a long shot swing that maybe there's anything left there to give you below average play, and they have no cap room left. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. But, so there's you're not going to go.
0: You're not going to go if you because the name that we're going to hear for the next five days is Joe Thomas. Right. There's no chance okay. you can't fit him in the cap. One Joe Thomas, believe it or not, supposedly does not want to be traded. He's crazy, but supposedly. And number two, if you make that trade, you got to send players to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You can't just send draft picks. And Cleveland's so bad, I don't think they're, unless you send them a really good player, I don't think they're going to say, oh, we'd love to have some slug from your team to take your cap room. So, you know, we could talk all we want about Joe Thomas, but this team is up against the cap. They are in real trouble. And my concern is not one bad game. As I tweeted during Oh, it's been the whole season. Yes. My concern is this. As I tweeted, uh during the loss to Philadelphia, my concern is Sam Bradford eventually will not get up.
2: And, and there's and then Sean Hill's your quarterback and you play and you play that out in your brain. There were nineteen hits on Sam Bradford and forty seven dropbacks. Think about that. I mean, every other dropback, he was taking a hit, and some of them were really hard hits. Some of them were strip sacks. I mean, he was just getting mauled today. And there's where, now here's where I get into the big question, which I think we find out by looking at the tape. I'm not sure that we can know this 100%, although from talking to Ben, I'm starting to feel more confident in this opinion. If they went back to seven-step drops then that is, i mean to me that's inexcusable to to change what they were doing from Houston the only way to protect sam bradford is by getting the ball out fast because these guys are not going to do it i mean mike zimmer said that like you just said there are no options there's no grabbing any more guys off the street there's no trading for joe thomas these are the human beings that you have to play this position and that is it so the only way that you can mitigate some of the pass rush that is going to eventually kill sam bradford is to have him throw the ball fast. Now, my only question is, was it really seven-step drops, or was it that the Eagles were really well prepared for those fast passes, and Bradford was forced to look to other reads, and by the time he was looking to his second and third option, he was just getting hit. Now, if that's the case, then I think we have something to worry about other teams repeating that. Although I would say the Eagles came in with the third best defense in the league in yeah, terms of defensive scoring, good. yes, and that defensive line is filled with monsters. Yes, Fletcher Cox is a monster. Yes, and so is Brandon Graham, and they've got uh, Connor Barwin. I mean, those guys—they have four or five guys. They're like the Eagles or like the Vikings in that way. Four or five guys who could dominate, and that may be a major part of it too. Because if we flip it around to what the Vikings have done to quarterbacks all year, it's that same thing. It's that front four just getting in the quarterback's face all the time. So when you blitz, it's twice the problem from a normal blitz. So if that's the case and it was just the Eagles and it was just a really good day for their great defensive line, and now we move on to play a lot of teams that don't have that defensive line, okay, if it's an issue of we figured out what you're doing offensively and now you're going to have to adjust, then that brings up the big question of can Sam Bradford play when he doesn't have that quick and easy read. If you look at the tape, if you guys go back and find out on
0: the tape that during the bye week, they morphed back to Norv's offense, I will be amazed at the lack of thinking and potential hubris right there. If they actually went back and said, because they are, run, listen, With the offense that they ran the first five games, for the most part, especially games uh, two through five with Bradford, was the Shermer sort of West Coast dink and dunk, which is fine. As I said, in this offense, your run game is the short pass game. If you actually think you're going to hand Ozzie out of the ball consistently and have normal runs, you're crazy. Uh, but if you find out that they actually decided, okay, you know what, Sam is now prepared to go with what Norv can do well, and, and we're going to employ seven-step drops, they're absolutely out of their mind crazy. But at least if you find that, that's very fixable, because you can call Norvin and say, we're never doing that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we find out that they didn't change as much as we thought they did, and that they went to—and that basically the offensive line just started to sieve out consistently— and that they were trying to replicate what Bradford did in games two through five. That's the real problem then. And then you get into the whole thing of, unfortunately, unfortunately, their reality might be this. As much of a connection as Bradford has with his tight ends, uh, the answer might be partially you're going to have to keep them in. You're going to have to keep them in. And then if they can turn around and catch a pass off blocking, off a chip block, possibly, Matthew— But if if you don't give if what we saw today isn't addressed with how do we get these guys help? You're crazy.
2: I would want to see them instead of that. Now today they decided to. Wright was hurt, but Laquan Treadwell he was inactive, so they go with just four wide receivers. He was hurt too. Is that correct? He He was limited in practice. He had a thumb. He had a thumb injury. Was limited in practice. So, I mean, maybe it's a possibility that he was too hurt to play. Usually when a guy's questionable and does practice throughout the week, that means that he can play. So he's inactive. They've only got four wide receivers and then the tight end. If we're talking about how to uh, mitigate some of this issue with the offensive line being so bad, I would much rather see five wide receivers or four in a tight end then I would want to see the tight end stay in or bring in a second tight end or bring in the fullback to block the blitzers coming through. Or Karen for that heavy package. I want Bradford having as many options as he possibly can to get the ball out pretty quick. And then occasionally, you know, it doesn't take too long to throw a deep pass as fast as these wide receivers are. I saw none of that today. No shots down the field at all. And I saw too much of him under center. I don't have the numbers yet on how often he was under center, how often he was shotgun. I feel like for those three or four games that he started before, games two through five, he was almost always in the shotgun. And I didn't feel like he was always in the shotgun for this game. And I think that's where he's at his best, where he doesn't have to turn his back to the defense, especially if there's a good rush coming. He could spot where it's coming from and get the ball out pretty quickly. If he's having to turn his back and fake handoffs and things like that, I think you're asking for problems. I don't think he had any
0: shot. If if they wanted uh, to go deep today, I don't think he had a shot because the pressure was so instantaneous. See, I
2: think there were times probably even in the Texans game where the pressure was great, but he could take the snap. A guy runs a vertical route. You're looking for a one-on-one battle. I mean, really, the only time that they did something like that was the Stephon Diggs play that clearly should have been pass interference yeah. and wasn't. Yeah, where he got grabbed. Uh, although... I'll be very curious
0: to see the uh, the grades of the offensive line as a whole because my sense is uh, left tackle was not good. Uh, right guard was certainly not good. I mean, Brandon Fusco continues to, to be a mystery at times. Uh, right tackle, not good. I think Berger at center is fairly solid. Yeah, but my but my point being is I think the grades across the board are going to be for the most part awful. I don't think it's I don't think it's oh man T J Clemmings just he just stinks. But Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, this guy stinks, this guy stinks, this guy stinks, and this guy might be okay, and that's about it.
2: Yeah, or you know, good. And that's the big issue is that the only offensive lineman who's had a good year so far is is just the center Joe Berger. Yeah, in, in my opinion, and if you have both tackles are a problem. I mean, everybody has these edge rushers now. I'm sure Chicago is not going to be that much of a challenge. I mean, who knows, right? It's but the they NFL. Are, they but are awful. They can. They might be
0: able to beat you, but they're awful. They are a, shouldn't be
2: right at the bottom of the entire NFL. Yeah. And if they have to start Matt Barkley, which I think they're going to have to do, I mean, that's a game that the <laughs> Eagles should definitely take care of business. Vikings. But as we – yeah, sorry, Vikings. Uh, but as we go forward yeah. and you face tougher challenges – Face some some other team. Ryan Kerrigan uh, of Washington. They're gonna have to face Washington on the road. He ate up the Eagles the first time that that Washington played them. Sure. Like there are gonna be other guys other than just Brandon Graham and Whitney Merciless who can rush off the edge. So every week it's gonna be a new guy getting in your face, and you've got to figure out a way to slow that down, and I just don't really know exactly the best way to do that because it's so poor. It's not, well, you know, protect this guy or protect that guy. Like, you know, we could talk about it with uh, hockey or something. Like, well, you know, try to put out a puck handler with a slow guy so you right. can help him a little bit. That's, it, what, that's what. That's exactly what we're saying is how do you mask the
0: deficiencies, and the only way I, just, I see to do it is to give some of these guys help. But the problem is... When your guard or your guards aren't playing well, now it's a whole different ball game. Now mm-hmm. it's not. If it's one guy, we could you could probably say, okay, we'll do this to get him help. Yep. But it's both tackles being. I mean, you had <laughs> you had uh, T.J. Clemmings at left tackle. Okay, but you don't trust him. So then you brought in Jake Long to play left tackle. But it's not like you said, oh, but our right tackle's playing so well, we can't touch him. You rotated him out of the game and put Clemings there where Clemings got beat. <laughs> Your right guard didn't play well. I mean, Boone, I think, got off to a, a rough start ha- has improved, but. I have no idea if he was good today. So your pro- your problem isn't just how do we make up for a deficiency at this one spot? Your problem is we got deficiency problems at maybe three or four spots. Yeah. That's and, and and this is not a conversation about oh man you just play the bears so you can get by them and then it's going to be a little tougher against the redskins. This is a, this is a conversation about a team that was 5 and 0 going into today, Matthew. And a team that we're talking about being an upper echelon team and saying, okay, this isn't, this isn't a regular season conversation so much as this is regular season into playoffs. And you get Seattle, for instance. Well, good luck with that. All hell's going to
2: break loose. You'll get Bradford killed in the first half of that game. They'll carry him out in a body bag. Yeah. And I don't have the perfect solution, but I know that it's not changing away from what they did in Houston. What they did in Houston, they need to be able to execute similarly there because Houston, you know, they played some defenses that turned out to maybe not be as good as we thought they might be. You know, the Titans are mediocre, and Carolina has a terrible defense. When we thought when they beat them, oh, they just beat a good defense, and it's turned out to be really bad. Very true. Houston is legit on defense. Yeah. And they got superstars up front and a decent secondary and good linebackers. They they are the total package, and – they came here to Minnesota and got crushed. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, that would make you think, okay, they're going to do something similar to the Eagles because they have all their talent on that front four. And when that didn't happen and it looked like they changed the offense, that's where I go, okay, what went wrong there? I'm very
0: curious by that. I'm very curious to see if if the Vikings during their self-scout during the bye week changed things up offensively themselves. I'm also curious to know, uh, did Philadelphia see some things on tape that the Texans did that tipped them off? because that's mm-hmm. this is a league full of people who have no life <laughs> and watch film constantly right but i mean no, they watch, is, yes. if you if you work for Philadelphia and you've lost two games back to back and your team's not a bad team and your coaching staff now says okay we we're, we're going to work 80 million hours this week to figure out what our next opponent doesn't do well and so this is Philadelphia while well, while well, they have personnel that's good obviously chose some schemes that are going to be replicated now week after week after week and the question is do the Vikings have the personnel and ability now to adjust to those things and if you're a fan of the Vikings you're thinking oh of course they do well but we have seen this before we've seen this this film before where you say man this team through four games looks fantastic and all of a sudden you get to week eight and you're like what happened and what what happened was they got figured out
2: I think Sam Bradford has the talent to figure it out I mean, in terms of him reading defenses, making the throws that are necessary to throw. One bad game from him when he's getting slapped around by the other team's defensive line. I'm with you on this. That doesn't move me one inch from how I felt about Sam Bradford. I agree with you. I mean, this. you know what this looked like to me is... Oh, that's probably what the first couple years of his career looked like, of just this abysmal team in front of him without the weapons doing much and just making life difficult. And this is not John Elway we're talking about who could run all over the place and make something out of nothing with a bad offensive line. He doesn't move that well within the pocket. I mean, I know Mike Zimmer said, "Oh, he's a better athlete than we thought." Mm, okay, I, but I don't see a lot of that. Cuz you thought he
0: couldn't move at all, Mike. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he can move a little bit.
2: A little bit, right. but he's got to make he's got to make a quick read, a fast throw, and then he could be about as accurate as there is for quarterbacks in the league. So, but I still believe that he has the talent to make up for some of these deficiencies because we have seen that before. Mm-hmm. I think what concerns me a little is the offense couldn't get much running game going today. And if there was ever a team to get running game going against, it was this Eagles team with Benny Logan dinged up. And with the fact that the Eagles were one of the worst teams in the league in yards per carry against. Now I know McKinnon had the ankle issues, but my thought was this defensive line is going to crush them in the pass. I mean, I did a piece about it. I looked at the film on it. Like they made Ben Roethlisberger look bad because their defensive line is so good, but they don't stop the run that well. So can you take advantage there? And they didn't, which makes me think you are never going to take advantage of anyone with your run game. It's is, just, it's just not going to succeed. Passing him
0: has to work though. Which is why, it's you why, should, why you can't. It's why you have to have the quarterback try and dump the ball off. You
2: should be in the shotgun ninety yeah. percent of the time, if not a hundred percent.
0: I will say this: my ultimate concern with Bradford, one, is that he's going to get hurt, uh, but two, it's this: if the pressure continues like this in games. You can't ask any quarterback like that not to start to get skittish. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, by the by the second half today, one of my faults with Bradford, and I think it would happen to most guys, is he just got skittish. Uh-huh. He he knew he knew my life for the rest of this half and the third and fourth quarters is going to be. I'm going to attempt to deliver the ball and then I'm going to get hit. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be clean. So. I'm with you on the sense that, yeah, he wasn't great today, and yes, he did struggle, but when you looked at why, I side with him, and I also side with the fact that this can't continue because if you don't get him hurt, you're going to get him so basically happy feet and dancing around that, that the uh, poise and composure that, that we saw in weeks two through five is going to start to go away.
2: There was, That's my that would
0: be my biggest concern.
2: There was a few moments for me where he got strip sacked at the end of the game where he was throwing dump offs at the end of the game. And I I mean they're at about zero zero one chance to win the game, down as much as they were, it was twenty-one to three or whatever it was. And it's like uh Sam, you're gonna to have to throw the ball down the field if you want to win the football game or score but, but he, or do anything. To your point, he was getting strip sacked on what he tried to dump <laughs> right. it off. He was, yeah. I mean, good luck the, getting it down that's, the field. Right, that's that's how bad they were in protecting him. But still, there, like, you're. I mean, they're dropping back in coverage, and he's not throwing the ball down the field at all. He's just trying to get rid of it and get the hell out of Philly yes. alive, as opposed to actually trying to bring them back. Which is, I think. Something like that, though it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of anything, I think that in terms of how people felt about Bradford coming into this year, a game like that, a look like that, we've seen that before. When he was on national TV last year and had a few bad starts, lost a game to, I think it was Dallas, and they got crushed. He lost one to Arizona and got crushed. He had that same look at the end of the game. He wasn't like... The old gunslinger, no. oh, we're down, but we're coming back. It's, it's shell-shocked. Like, it's, right. It's like, yeah, I agree. just get me out of here. We've already lost, and I want nothing to do with this. I would have
0: argued that uh, that if Sam Bradford had a, a quarterback offensive head coach, there's a good chance he gets pulled at some point in the fourth quarter. I think if you, if you have a coach who is solely worried his starting point is my quarterback— he pulls him. That's how bad that
2: game was. After it got to twenty-one-three, and
0: I'm not saying that they should have. I'm just saying I've seen it done before.
2: I think twenty-one-three, you should probably just pull him. Like, don't get him hurt in a stupid situation. If someone situation. gets hurt, unfortunately, it's going to but, be Sean Hill. But you know, they didn't pull him when he, it was against uh, Houston either, and they were way up, and they could have done yeah. it and thrown in Sean Hill or, or whoever yeah. else. So, uh,
0: final thoughts on today's game uh i think my final thought would be what's your final takeaway from the debacle of the offense yeah
2: it is not it is not they lost one game and freak out five and oh was a fraud or anything like that my final thought is this was bound to happen this offensive line playing as poor as they were playing it was bound to happen that they would go in and face a defensive line that is similar to their own Mm -hmm. and they would get worked Mm -hmm. and that's what happened today
0: Special teams will come back. Special teams. Blair Walsh scares me, but the breakdowns that we saw uh, on special teams on Sunday are going to happen sometimes. They shouldn't. Those can be fixed. There's going to be a lot of noise about this loss, but I would say, Matthew, sort through the noise and look at the one thing, which is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. If you don't get this somehow repaired and it's going to be tough, and it's going to be, as as you said, the people that they have are, for the most part, the people that they have. If you don't get that repaired – that's the only thing to care about today. So Sam Bradford, I think, will be fine. Special, special team's fine. Uh, but if you look at that offensive line, and we've been saying this for weeks now, the offensive line and the kicker are the two things that scared me going into today, and they scare me coming out of today. So The kicker made both of his kicks, so you can sleep okay tonight. The kicker will get you when you least expect it in a playoff <laughs> game, Matthew Collar. All right, that's it. Uh, Purple Podcast Day. You and Gessling back on Wednesday for a Purple Podcast, right?
2: Well, uh, might be Thursday because mid-week, the schedule though. is a little That's wonky. because right,
0: yeah. of the Bears game probably on Thursday. Monday night. Okay, so Collar and Gessling uh, back midweek, probably on Thursday for a preview episode, Bears-Vikings next Monday night at Soldier Field. This has been Purple Podcast. I'm Zolgad. He is Matthew Collar. Ben Gessling joined us also from Philadelphia. Talk to you soon, folks.
2: This holiday, whether
0: you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2 Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.